there, I'm Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is the most important medicine. If you're a professional who wants to have a greater impact in the lives of children and families by building resilience, this podcast is for you. Join us to become a trauma-informed champion by nurturing connections through relational health to help kids and families thrive. Every time you join me, you'll hear practical information and leave with tangible tools you can use every day. Hey friends, you are in for a treat today. I am joined by my friend, Dr. Whitney Caceres. She is a pediatrician and the founder and CEO of Modern Mommy Doc, where she coaches overwhelmed, career-focused women to jump off the hamster wheel of life and organize their stress so that they can integrate work and life successfully. Her new book is Doing It All, Stop Overfunctioning and Become the Mom and Person You're Meant to Be. Hi, Whitney. Hi, thanks for having me. So good to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to have you. As uh, Whitney and I were in kind of our pre-meeting, she is off at a conference talking to a whole bunch of female professionals. Um, do you want to add anything else to your bio personally or professionally, Whitney, to let people know who you are? Yeah, I mean, so really my entire platform comes from my experience working with moms in clinic and having them talk to me about their kids' health, but always on the side, having these little comments about what was going on for them. And half the time, as I was giving them advice about what to do for their kids, having them say things like, well, yeah, that would be nice in a perfect world, or once I can get myself together, I'll do that, or like, who has time for that? And really, I had to redefine for them as a provider, but then also for myself as a parent. I'm the parent of two girls, one who has autism, high-functioning autism, one who has OCD, we found out. Um, Like, what does that look like when you are living in a world that keeps on telling you, here's all these things you're supposed to do, and you're supposed to do them with equal effort. You're supposed to give all your energy to all the things. You're supposed to be everything to everyone. How do you deal with that? And how do you find your place and really not lose yourself in all of that messaging? How do you make your life count? Uh, How do you make yourself feel and and actually make it so that what you're doing as a mom makes a difference for your kids, sets yourself up and your kids up for as much success as possible. And so all these big esoteric questions kind of started coming to me as I was seeing patients in my clinic and as I was reflecting on my own life as a mom. And so that's what Modern Mommy Doc was born out of. I have Mm -hmm. a blog, I have a podcast, I have these different books that I've written And the first two books I wrote with the American Academy of Pediatrics, they're amazing. I consider myself part of their family. This book, I really wanted to be, though, super focused on the caregiver themselves and not just like as an add-on to what we should do for kids, but more about, okay, specifically for working moms, specifically for those who are in caregiving professions, especially how do we take care of ourselves first? Like that can't just be this nice little saying, (laughs) you know, pour, pour your water first, pour your own cup first, then help everybody else. Yeah. 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 Like how do we actually do that while everything in life still continues to come at us while all those messages are still there? So that's what I do. 100%. There's something that you said that I want to go back to right away. And you said just this messaging, which I hear too from, from moms and from caregivers, 
I'll take care of myself later. Like I just need to get mm. through this, whatever this is, and then there'll be time for me. What do you think about that comment or kind of like how we're socialized to think that way? Yeah. So, okay. Two things. And one, I know, actually you taught me the first thing. <laughs> so first thing is we know for kids, and I see this all the time with my own kids and in, and in practice, that when kids have these emotions that boil up inside them, that kind of are under the surface, that never get to be released, eventually they blow over in these huge ways that are damaging to everyone, including themselves. They So let's say they get angry about, you know, a, a toy wasn't given to them or they don't have as much time with their parents and they never get to express it. And then people keep on saying, stop, stop complaining about that, no crying. But eventually they have these huge fits and they do things they don't mean to do and they hit their brother and they yell at their sister and all these things. Well, the same thing happens to moms. Yes. Maybe not in quite such a like evolutionary, like barbaric kind of way, um, archaic kind of way where we're yelling and screaming. But I am sure that every single listener here has had that feeling of rage, of white hot rage inside them at a partner, at their kid, at work, at someone else. And when you don't let off that steam, when you don't allow that to kind of permeate, then that's going to later on blow up around you. And so what I see for moms is this resentment cycle that happens. They do everything for everyone else. They don't take care of themselves. Like you said, they put it off. I'm going to do it later. Then they feel super resentful, super angry. That white hot rage starts boiling over. Then they lose it on everybody or they say, I'm too burnt out. I'm not going to do anything. Or they cope using really unhealthy methods. They, you know, overdrink or they overeat or they run themselves ragged with exhaustion. Then they feel terrible about it. All that shame, all that guilt, I should do better. And then they do it all again. So the problem is when we don't take care of ourselves along the way, it ends up really damaging us. But then also, of course, all the people that we're in the end trying to protect, trying to help, trying to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one. I think the other thing about conditioning, um, and I know this is true for myself, but for so many other moms out there, is I grew up in a generation that was told, you can be anything you want to be. You want to be an astronaut? You want to be the president? You want to be, you know, go for it, lean in. And also... I grew up in a generation that was told, and then here's how you keep a perfect house. Here's how you keep your man happy. Here's how you be like a perfect mom and you show up to all the PTA meetings and you wear cute clothes all the time and you look super thin at the exact same time. And the reality is those two ideals, you cannot do both things at the same time. And so I think we're living in this like middle earth for moms where we're grappling with for the very first time as a generation wait, is that even realistic? Can I even do that? And if not, then what do I actually want? What actually is realistic? What actually does work? Yeah. You know what? It's funny because when I talk to moms about the same issue, Whitney, what I say to them is, thank you, all of our feminist leaders. Thank you, mm -hmm. moms and grandmothers for paving the way, for letting us know we can do anything. 
Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we have to do everything. And we certainly mm-hmm. can't do everything perfectly. And I definitely hear you, right? That this is how we're socialized right now, that because you can be anything and do anything, therefore you should do everything and you should do it really well. You should be the mom that's an astronaut that also bakes the perfect birthday cake and mm-hmm. that also, you know, is really happy in her marriage and all of these things. And it seems impossible, which I think leads to a lot of really sad moms who feel pretty isolated. Yeah, isolated. And I think there's a third component. I think the other component is, um, as women, we're also conditioned to behave, to be pleasing to put other people ahead of us, and especially as a caregiving uh, person. So as in a caregiving profession, I was trained like other people's needs first, yours later, you can take care of yourself when your shift's over, you know, but right now you need to take care of this dying patient. (laughs) Um, And I think that it makes it so that we are are conditioned to deprioritize our needs. We're conditioned to say, my needs matter less than other people's do. Um, We don't hold space for ourselves very well. Our boundaries are weak. And to me, a lot of times as a physician, when people used to say that to me, I'd say like, no way. I deal with boundaries all the time. I tell people, no, I'm not going to prescribe that antibiotic or these are the hours I'll work. But to me, it's about that self-boundary, that mm-hmm. boundary of like, I'm not going to take the temperature of other people. Even if that makes someone else not feel like the best every single time, if it makes me feel terrible, I still have to uphold that boundary for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's the third component here is that women really don't believe that they deserve to take up as much space as other people. They don't deserve to have the same amount of rest as other people. They don't enjoy that same amount of privilege as their male counterparts in relationships do of like free time and leisure and six hour golf days. Like, you know, that feels like a huge deal to women. And that's not true for, for their male counterparts. So that's to me, the third component here is really teaching women about you have a whole lot of worth, but it will only be protected actually when you start to build those good boundaries around it. Yeah, I, I really, and and as you know, Whitney, November for, for the most important medicine is really about creating those boundaries. And we're moving right into the holidays, right into the thick of doing all things with perfection, right. And saying yes to a whole bunch of things. And then I love what you just said that that starts to build this resentment cycle. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the antidote to resentment. Yeah. So To me, number one is reclaiming who you are, rediscovering who you are. What are your needs? What are the things that light you up? What are the things that when you're 80 years old, you will look back on and say, oh my gosh, I'm so proud that I was X, did X, spent my time and energy on X. Mm -hmm. Because it's really difficult for any person to say yes to something, to say no to something bad when they don't know the thing they want to say yes to. And I liken this to like teenagers with drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. right? We know this in the resilience literature. You know this so well that like the kids who don't have a thing, they don't have a sport, they don't have a music activity, they don't have art, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what it is. They don't have something to say yes to. They're going to go get a dopamine hit off of something else. And that's the same thing with us as we're setting boundaries as moms. We have to know, what am I saying yes to? To me, it's contribution to other women. If people say like, hey, is I have an opportunity for you to contribute in a deep way to other women. Be like, 
Yes. <laughs> um, deep connection with my kids, not in a fluff way of like, I spend extra time with them that they don't really care about, but like in a way that we really are connecting and fighting. Yes. Me taking care of my physical health and wellness, making sure that I'm not overly tired or like overly thirsty or going hungry. Those things are always a yes. So for me, I have about five things and every single person has their own five or six things that really define kind of what makes up their version of themselves that they feel proudest of. I and know from, that, I, well, I was just going to say, I, I think I'm imagining listeners saying, I don't, how do I figure out my five things? How do I know my five things? Right. Cause I love what you're saying. Right. And in my own head, I can think less aloneness in the world. Yes. Quality time with my kids and my husband, 100%. Yes. Um, getting on my Peloton every day. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think for so many moms who, like, as you said, have been conditioned to put everybody else first, they're not even sure with about how to figure out step one. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I have an entire chapter on this Perfect. in my new book because you're right. It's not just as simple as like, let me list them out. Um, and I want to explain it in a simple way. I don't want people to feel overwhelmed because it's the type of thing that if you just went through the chapter and you took a day to think about it, you would feel pretty set on what are your five things. But okay. I start with giving people a visioning exercise. So they kind of imagine themselves in their best day. They wake up. What are they doing? Who are they with? How do they feel? And I give examples of what that would be like. And again, this isn't like we're on fantasy Island with like the hunk of your dreams. This is like, you know, mine includes my kids. And like, you know, I have some cheap white target curtains in my vision. Like, it's not like I'm living in a mansion on a hill with, um, Tom Cruise. Well, actually I don't want Tom Cruise, but like, you know, who, who, I, who can I think of? Um, so you start with that. And then from there, I lead people through how to really further conceptualize what are all the activities that bring them joy and what are all of the kind of labels in their life that bring them joy or that bring them a lot of fulfillment. So mm -hmm. these things light me up when I'm doing them. This type of like description of who I am lights me up. And then we pair those together and we make the five different categories for each awesome. and every person. Awesome. Yes. So yeah. To the listener who's saying, okay, I hear you. It's important to reclaim myself. I don't even know what that is. There's a prescription for that, right? The, like a, a formula um, that they can go through in your book and they can spend some time reflecting and really figure that out. Yeah, exactly. And then once you figure that out, then it's the time to figure out, okay, there's other things that have to get done in our lives that shouldn't define us. Again, I don't live on an island by myself. So I have to do groceries. I have to figure out laundry. I have to figure out school signups and camp signups and all of those things. So I define, I divide all of the things that have to get done, but shouldn't, jeez, uh, all the things that have to get done, but shouldn't define you into four different categories. Awesome. So I label them just for ease for people. The top right corner, I call the non-negotiables. These are all the things that you have to get done and only you can do. So one good example is if you are a breastfeeding mom and that's something you've committed to when you're going to breastfeed, you got to be the one that breastfeeds, right? But you can build some efficiency 
into that process. There's ways to have like the pumping bras and to like figure out cleaning to make it easier. Um, as a physician, my notes that I write, there's a way to make that so that it's more streamlined. If you're a business person, you could have cut and paste emails. So that way you're not spending all this time on things you don't need to do, right? But then there's a whole bunch of other categories. There's the swappables. These are the things that other people could be doing for you, like dividing and conquering with a partner. There are the contaminators, all of the things that you need to say no to that people put requests on you from. I do not want to be part of a bake sale at my kid's school. I have no interest in that. Amen. (laughs) Yes. But I know that I would say yes if I didn't know what else I wanted to say yes to. So if I didn't have something else that I was like, oh, no, sorry, I have this other really important thing to do, then it would be easy for me to let my conditioning be like, well, I I mean, I guess that's what it means to be a good mom, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I know that's not really true. And then finally, there's the heartstrings, which are all of the things that we want to do, but they can eat up too much of our emotional labor or time. Uh, My dad has Parkinson's, for example, so I want to spend a lot of time with him but it's draining on me and my mom and listening to my mom talk about it when we're there. So I have to be really strategic about how I set up visits with them and kind of how we spend time together and how, and how that works. Um, I love this. I, I love this so much because what you're doing for moms, for caregivers, especially for working moms is building in a system Yes. to be intentional. We only yes. have so much time. Yeah, we only have so much time. And I think the problem is when people don't have a system or a framework that actually is intentional, Mm -hmm. they start feeling like the problem is them. It's like a Taylor Swift song, like me, hi, I'm the problem. Like they think that they are the problem when in reality it's that their system is wrong or they don't have a system at all, or they don't have the foundation to be able to apply those systems. So what I see a ton happening in kind of the like mom equity movement, all of that, is that we're missing a step of moms having that self-assuredness to be able to have those conversations with their partner to say, no, I'm not going to take that on, you know, or no, you need to take on more of the load or, or their workplace to say, no, I need some more flexibility or mm-hmm. to the PTA lead to say, no, I can't do that. You know, I mean, you know better than I do that that starts from a place of internal fortitude, not from people giving you tips and tricks left and right. Yep. So do you feel like if I'm a mom and I have kind of gone through this visioning of like who I am, how do I want to spend my time? And then I love the idea of these categories of like defining how I'm spending my time, what's non-negotiable, what's pulling on my heart. I mean, I just love these so much. Then does that guide me towards now I can create some boundaries that protect me? Exactly. Because the whole thing is designed. If you think about it, like your five things you care about the most are what I like to call like my centered circle. So they're Mm -hmm. the little things that are like in this bubble of who I am. Mm -hmm. All the other things that have to get done are outside of that circle, like in a square of life. And so you can push out further against that square of life. That stuff's not pushing in on you because you kind of know, okay, this is why, because I have this thing that I really need to attend to. And this is the how, which is a strategy depending on whatever task needs to be finished. Um, And it's self-enforcing. So it's reinforcing. It's a positive feedback loop, right? The more you prioritize yourself, the more you realize like, oh, that was someone else's pull on me. That wasn't actually really important. And Mm -hmm. I am able to stand up for myself and say, that's not going to work for me. 
oh my gosh, okay, now I'm going to be able to do it again. Mm -hmm. um, so the more you practice it, and of course, A, your priorities are going to change over time. So I think that's important for people to understand and to realize. I think we all know that kind of intuitively, right? When you're younger and maybe your kids are younger, you might have different priorities than when your kids are a little older. And B, that this isn't something that you do and then you're done and then you're perfect at it, like all things in life. It's a practice you come back to or when you're feeling kind of outside of yourself or not sure again exactly what matters, you can come back visually to this centered circle and to these other things to say like, where am I right now? Am I, I living like it. way out yonder? You know, I love <laughs> I it. So can we, can we give listeners like a super practical example? Cause I know you've obviously done the work, right? You kind of know what your center is. You're, you know, these, these five things and you've put everything into their categories. So I'm going to um, send you a letter home, Whitney, um, from your kid's school and um, all the holidays are coming up and all of the school concerts. And I really, I need 10 parents to contribute to the bake sale. And I need one um, or a few moms to make some baskets for our upcoming winter holiday auction. In what way can you contribute, Wendy, uh, Whitney? What can you do? Yeah. Okay. So first things first, I look at my center points. Mm. Does contributing to a bake sale or um, to this one event fall within that? Like, does it even fall into contributing to my kids or like building a connection to my kids? Love it. No, it does not at all. Okay. Then what category does this fall into? It falls into the contaminators. It falls into things that are kind of just adding extra things to my life that I really don't need to be doing or spending my time on. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, what is my strategy? My strategy for the contaminators is always to declutter, to pare down, to make sure I'm not adding extra stress so that I have more time for the thing that actually matters to me the most. So at this point, the bake sale is in conflict actually with my connection with my kid because I will be spending more time getting all the freaking brownies together for the bake sale. <laughs> and I won't have any time to listen to my daughter because I'll be really stressed out about it. Mm -hmm. Then I need to look at, okay, well, why do I even feel stressed about this in the first place? Why is this something that's on me? Is this coming internally from me for something that I want to do? Or is it coming from obligation from other people in my life or in my community? It's coming from outside yeah. of myself. Because we can feel that, right? Like we can feel all the moms right now saying, but then who's going to do it? Who's going to like make the cookies for the bake sale? Exactly. So now I have a couple options. One, I could just say like, no, that's not going to work for me right now. Mm -hmm. no. I could say, yes, it's going to work like a hundred percent. And I could totally abandon myself and just go for it and make myself feel stressed out. Mm -hmm. Three, I could have some type of compromise. I could say, you know what? I'd be happy to go to Safeway and pick up 12 pre-baked cookies for you. And bring them over if that would be helpful for you. And I'll have my kiddo bring them on the way to school. And I'm going to Instacart it to my house. <laughs> and it ain't no thing. And here you go. You know what I mean? So if that's what you need as a baby step to make it so that you're not fully doing this and giving of yourself, but you feel like you're still coming, you know, like that's okay too. I feel like, I think it's mostly about that self-awareness. Like where is it coming from this request on your time and your energy and your emotions? Why are you responding to it? Is it because you've been conditioned to do everything for everybody else? Is it actually going to matter? Is there somebody else who could step up in your place who maybe doesn't have the same level of load that you do? 100%. So, um, 
to me, honestly, it's kind of like um, emotion coaching for kids. It gives you that space, that minute Mm -hmm. to reflect, to be like, why why do I feel this way? I feel guilty. Why do I feel that way? Because I have all this extra pressure. That makes sense. Common humanity. Every other mom around me probably feels this exact same way. And now I'm not reacting. I'm responding to that request out of my own value and out of my own place of self-worth. I really, I appreciate this so much. And I know the listeners will, because you're saying two really important things, which is, Hey, I don't have to respond right away and say yes out of obligation. Mm -hmm. Um, And B now I have some tools that I can be really intentional with to decide how, and if I'm going to say yes or no, and to be really thoughtful about it. And I just feel like what you're saying is that like, and then we're going to do that and we're going to mess it up sometimes. And then we're going to practice it and we're going to try it again, but that we'll actually get better with boundaries over time. Yeah, we will. Uh, I was telling you, Amy, before we hopped on this call that I had a very difficult decision today and a very difficult conversation with someone. I won't go into the details, but it was one of the harder decisions of my professional life to have this conversation. And did it still make me kind of nervous and get my heart fluttering? Absolutely. Am I perfect at setting boundaries? No. But was I able to do it because I've practiced this again and again and again, being like, you feel bad because you don't want this other person to miss out on money. And like, yes. And to come back to myself to say, okay, but what is going to actually be the outcome that you want for yourself, for your family, for your business? Take that pause and then take action in a way that actually worked for me and beneficial to me. It feels so much more authentic this way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Authentic. And I think, um, like, I think for so many of us, we get caught as moms in our emotions, the mental load, our thought patterns. They're just like running around in our mind without any type of organization. And so I know that for me, I felt like I needed a framework because, um, I couldn't just have it be that everything was all mushed together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I needed a way when I was feeling frantic and kind of in that fight or flight to like very quickly be able to go back to something that I could look at and I could think about concretely. And so that's what I've heard as feedback from moms to be the most helpful is that they're like, oh my gosh, now I'm not, I don't have to like free journal this. Mm -hmm. I can just go back to a picture and then go from there. <laughs> so I don't have time for that either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like even, even your descriptors, I can feel in my heart and in my mind more clarity, right? A contaminator feels very clear to me, right? Something that pulls on my heartstrings feels very clear. Like I can really easily think about, you know, the 50 things right now that are in my mind um, and go, oh, I could categorize those. Those names are super helpful for me. So yeah. I, I love that. Um, I know we need to, to begin to wrap up a little bit. Um, you have this incredible new book out. Um, are there other highlights about the book other than the, the, the couple of things that you shared that you just want, um, parents and caregivers to know about that they'll get from this incredible read? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to lay the foundation. I'm going to give you everything you need for that, but then it really does go through like exactly how do you declutter your environment, like your house, exactly how do you declutter your schedule? How do you build more efficiency and productivity into your day for the more like non-negotiables? So how do you figure out what projects to put first? 
Um, how do you have conversations with your parenting partner or your co-parent about how you're going to divide and conquer? How do you give your kids responsibility and chores? And then I put a whole chapter because I'm a pediatrician about the five most important things based off evidence, based off research that you need to be doing as a mom, as any type of caregiver. And the good news is, give you a hot peek into this, is that none of them are things that are outside of your reach. Every single thing is attainable. I was very intentional about that because as the parent of an autistic kiddo, I know that half the things people tell me to do as a parent, I can't do, they don't work. So these things are universally things that you can do with your kids that will, I think, really give you that self-assuredness that you have done your absolute best to set them up for success as they enter into adulthood. That's amazing. Um, so friends, we're going to put the link to um, Dr. Whitney's book in the show notes. We'll also put her website and how you can join her incredible membership for moms. We'll put everything in the show notes. Um, just a couple of rapid fire questions before I let you go today, Whitney. Um, what's one thing that's life giving for you right now that just feels really magical? Uh, Taylor Swift right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Have you, did you go to the concert? Did you see the movie? I, I didn't go to the concert. I went to the movie. I was one of like 2% of people standing up in Portland. I was so mad that nobody else was standing up, but I'm actually going to go to the concert. I think I'm going to go to the one in New Orleans when she comes back around. <laughs> so fun. Okay. Um, what's one thing that people are getting wrong about what we discussed today? What's one thing people are getting wrong about boundaries, for instance? Yeah. So people get wrong about boundaries, but it has to be rigid. And what people don't understand is that actually overly rigid boundaries and overly porous boundaries are what people normally consider kind of like loosey goosey boundaries are both weak types of boundaries. So really it's about being able to have that flexibility and the flexibility comes from knowing yourself because then you can actually assess what needs to happen based off a specific request, based off who I am and what I need. Oh my gosh. That's like the hot take. Okay. Last question. <laughs> last question. Um, it's 11 o'clock at night and you're having a food craving. What do Ooh. you reach for? Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, Thai food is always my go-to. And I usually reach for, um, I mean, they're not open, but I might just have it in my fridge. Um, <laughs> Portland's Pawdy Brussels sprouts, fried Brussels sprouts with like fried egg. <laughs> so good. <laughs> with soy sauce. So it's always something like salty. That's usually my thing. Salty soy oh sauce. I fried love veggies. <laughs> I love it. Whitney, thank you so much. I love what you're doing in the world for moms. I love what you're doing for working moms, especially. It's just helping us take a load off and be purposeful and intentional. So thanks for doing that in the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you. You're welcome. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing here, please download my free resource called 10 Guiding Principles to Nurture Connection and Help Children and Families Thrive. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing yours because your humanity will heal others. Bye for now.